Welcome to From the Bleachers Podcast with Nick and Mick, and this is Season 3, Episode number 4, so we made it to another Saturday, and we are just going to start, we're going to jump right in, Nick. Uh, Section 3 football schedules came out this week, so we'll start from there, so a much-needed diversion with some Section 3 football to begin the show today. Yeah, so the uh, section put out there official schedule for the season and I thought Mick to start our podcast this week we could uh, go through our locals and just look at their schedule a little bit and maybe not predict but maybe just have a little bit of thought about what the season will hold and let's start I don't know Let's start with Lowville. So Lowville, um, last year, I looked this up today, Mick, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. You always remember this better. Last year, they were sectional champions easily, and then they lost in the first round of the state to Susquehanna Valley, who ended up winning the state title. They lost 44-36. to And um, so... Lowville is in the Section 3 Class C1 division. They go C1 and C2. So first, Mick, just looking at their division, Casanova, General Brown, Hannibal, Alan Patton, Jordan, Elbridge, Lowville, Mount Markham, Southern Hills. Then in a C2, it's Skinny Atlas, Canasota, Bishop Ludden, Salve, Little Falls, Clinton, Westmo, Sherburn. And just giving a quick glance at it, it looks like they are in a stacked division. And I think it almost was by design putting more of the, of the harder, better programs in that C1 division. Yeah, that definitely, I was looking at this. In that division, if you just go on the merits of past seasons, that division is stacked. Casanova, you know, they've been up and down between B and C, Nick. So they're back down in C. So they're in that C1 division. You know, you throw General Brown in, which has great tradition. They were actually kind of in a rebuild year last year and still made Section 3 playoffs. Uh, Played really well at the end of the year. So they've got plenty of returners coming, coming back. Hannibal been been a little bit down uh, in recent years. But then you got Holland Patton. So Holland Patton, you got Holland Patton, who won the title in 2000. 2018, and then you got Lowville in 2019. Then you got Southern Hills, which is a combination of Tully, Fabius, and some of those schools south of Syracuse. Mount Markham, who's been very good in the last couple of years. Um, and then throw Jordan Elbridge in, who wasn't bad last year. Yeah, you're definitely right, Nick. That C1 division is definitely stacked. The only thing, the only team kind of missing out of there would be Skinny Atlas. Yeah, maybe a Canastota. Yeah, and Canastota, which has been strong. But yeah, just on paper, that division is just a gauntlet. Uh, you know, just kind of looking at it very briefly. Yeah, because you think maybe they're trying to go geography, but you got Casanova in the same division as General Brown in Lowville, and you got Skinny Atlas in the same division as Little Falls and Clinton. So it really wasn't by geography. I think it was by strength of schedule. Now, Lowville coming back, Nick should be Nick should be loaded. They have they they're losing obviously Bach and Linedecker and Myers. And I think the question will be coming in for Lowville is um, I think Aiden McCulley is you know will be more than just a replacement for Chad Bach, but depth-wise, now you you know playing in the load of division, you're gonna you're gonna play a load every week, and depth is gonna be a huge issue for all teams. And have they lost a little bit of depth? And you know injuries are a big part of you know all football seasons. So what can Lavo bring depth-wise? And you know Chad Bach covered up a, a lot of things last year. When things went bad, he could just make plays. And is there someone else ready to do that for Lavo next year? Yeah, and I was looking at their schedule is absolutely brutal the first four weeks uh, at General Brown to open the season home with Holland Patton at Mount Markham in week three and then home to Kaz in week four so that is 
talk about absolutely top heavy the first four weeks of the season. I don't think anybody, I mean, you go through, Mount Markham's pretty brutal the first three weeks. They go Holland, Patton, Kaz, and Lowville, but Lowville, that that first month of the season is just going to be absolutely every single week. They're going to have to bring it. And, you know, I would imagine, you know, C1 and C, you know, they're going C1, C2. So top four teams in each division. So, I mean, if you're just eyeing that right now, if you're just going to go by tradition, you know, you would think right now the favorites to reach the playoffs in that division would be Kaz, General Brown, Holland Patton, and Lowville and Mount Markham. So you're talking about those five. So you're talking about, you know, four teams, you know, you're going to, you're going to weed it down to four. So you got five teams looking at four spots right now, not really knowing Jordan Elbridge, Hannibal, and, you know, Southern Hills, not really familiar with them, but those first four weeks for Lavelle, it's going to be very telling. Yeah, and an interesting little side note. So uh, a week or two ago in the Utica paper, I saw an interesting article about Holland Patton, and um, I'm pretty good friends with their coach, Brian Briggs, because he runs youth basketball that we had a team play in. And he's doing online training where his wife is a personal trainer. So the kids sign up every day, or I think they're doing three days a week, and they do some workouts together um, online. Basically, it's not any weightlifting stuff. It's more conditioning and yoga and stretching. I thought that was a pretty neat idea. I talked to him about it. He said he thought he would get 10 to 15 kids. And when I talked to him about last week, he said he was getting like 30 kids a, uh, at a pop. And I think one important thing going into the season is your off season is insane and no one's going to have a normal off season. And you know, what kids and what teams are able to piece together an off season, I think will have a huge advantage, especially early in the season. I mean, you're going to come back. This is a real possibility that the first time you see kids from now could be in that August practice you get two weeks and you're off playing games and so what kids do on their own and what coaches could get kids to do on their own in the offseason is going to play a huge role going into next year especially those early early games yeah you don't know what you're going to get come you know for summer conditioning or summer passing leagues or anything like that there's going to be a huge unknown so you know you're almost kind of you know depending on what happens you know you could a lot of programs could be flying blind into that summer and you know not really knowing, you know, when they're going to be able to get together, hopefully sooner than later. So hopefully, you know, that does come before August, but it, but you're right, Nick, and teams that have a lot of kids back, you know, or teams that with, you know, a pretty established system, Holland Patton being one of them, you know, they're going to be at a huge, you know, a bigger advantage than teams that may have, number one, a new coach coming in, or number two, just a whole bunch of new kids coming in as well. So that will be a huge advantage. So yeah, just, you know, kind of talking about the football thing today, you know, section three schedule, it's summer is... We don't know. We don't. You don't know what you're gonna get, and that you know that's gonna affect a lot of sports. You know, and we can. It'll be a conversation for uh, you know down the line. So yeah. So Lawville in Class C, uh, two divisions of Class C this year. So uh, let's just go up the road a, a little bit, Nick, and we'll take a look at Beaver River. Beaver River's actually coming off a year where they actually won a league title, and as I look at my schedule, Class D just continues to kind of dwindle. As I think we're down to 11 teams in D now in Section Three. Yeah. So. They finished six and three last year. They lost in a sectional semi seven to six to Waterville. And actually, their quarterback Sam Bush was out at the end of the season. And you know, just looking at their roster, and I was able to do that the sectional game where they played Ti at home. And um, the Irkers and Colin Edick are you know three of the main seniors. I remember that they're losing, but they're they're not really losing a lot at Beaver River in a team that was six and three. Uh, and I think with a lot of guys returning. Funny, uh, their first game is at Oswego, which is Oswego's a big huge 
huge school, but Oswego's in that developmental league. So they go non-league against Oswego to start the season. Then they go to Frankfurt. But yeah, the class class D division is tiny, but it's loaded with traditional powerhouses. If you look in the D East, you got Dalgeville, Frankfurt, Herkimer, Waterville, who was good last year. And then Notre Dame drops down. Notre Dame was really struggling last year. Then in the D North, you have uh, Beaver River, Onondaga, you know, Sandy Creek, TI. Now, they're also going playoff start October 30th. So they might make go four out of five teams make the playoffs from that D Northwest division. Yeah, that that's what it may look like. And like you said, Nick, that the division Beaver Rivers and, you know, Sandy Creeks, you know, those they've been traditional power. Sandy Creek, Thousand Islands, uh, Cato's always been good, and Onondaga. So that, that class D Northwest, uh, some really good teams in that division as well. As I was looking at, yeah, the playoffs and crossover. I still think they're going to take eight. I think they'll take eight. Yeah, because their playoffs start October 30th, which is the same as everybody except for the eight-man. So the eight-man, I would assume, is only going to go four teams in the playoffs. Yeah, the eight-man will go four. So, But yeah, Beaver River, they, they're definitely, you know, I definitely a threat. Somebody, for the most part, in that division is going to be on the outside looking in. There, that could be, there could be a pretty good team that gets left out of the playoffs in that division. And, you know, you look at the other D division, you know, Notre Dame, you know, they've got a ways to go. I think Frankfurt, you know, they won the section. They lost a lot of kids off of that team, I believe. So, you know, Beaver River's probably in the tougher division of the two D divisions, uh, but definitely certainly could make a run to the Dome with... No, you know, no doubt in my mind, um, and probably could have, you know, made a run to the dome last year if they would have had, you know, if Bush would have remained, wouldn't have gotten hurt and remained at quarterback. That was a big loss for them. Uh, had an intersectionals. I didn't get to see it much last year, but that game against Ti, I was super impressed with their defense and what they did. And just didn't have, they had enough that day on offense, but just didn't have enough against Waterville. Lost seven six, but did get a league title and looks to defend that league title next year. Which brings us to the the other two teams are local is Adirondack and South Lewis and let's do South Lewis first and we can leave Adirondack at the end because that's where the big changes are. South Lewis won the league title last year. Last year the eight man had two divisions. I believe they called it um, I forgot it was old school and new something like that. The older teams and the newer teams but they won their division and were undefeated in their league and then they made it to that four team semifinal and lost to West Canada 76 to 42. Looking at their roster you know the, the one name that stands out is Brady Vosberg that they're losing but they bring a lot of kids back like Cody Spann, Ian Anderson, and you know, I think in that eight-man division, now there's only one division, and uh, I think South Lewis will be a team to reckon with. And interesting on schedule, you mentioned this the other day, circle October 23rd for local fans, South Lewis, Adirondack, in Boonville on the new turf. I would assume that would be our homecoming weekend for Adirondack, 7 o'clock game, so hopefully football's back and we can have a big matchup there late in the fall for um, South Lewis football. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is you, and we'll talk about this with Adirondack in a second, Nick, but you got to go through, there's a like a just kind of a, you know, period in time when you go to eight man, when you kind of, you know, start to realize what the game's about. It's a different, obviously a different game than 11 man. And, you know, South Lewis, I believe this is like their fourth year playing, their third or fourth year playing eight man. So, I mean, they're an established power now, Nick. They are, you know, I would say coming into the new year, definitely a favorite, you know, and, and definitely, definitely a favorite to win possibly the whole thing. And, you know, along with probably West Cannon and Bishop Grimes, 
times, but you know, there's going to be an adjustment period that Adirondack's going to have to go through. So to be honest with you, I mean, South Lewis and Adirondack, they're playing at the end of the year, but right now, you know, just kind of eyeing things the way that they are, you know, Coach Hennessy and the Coach Bell and the Cats are going to have to go through that, that adjustment period. So them playing South Lewis at the end of the year, that's, you know, that'll be a difficult game for the Cats because like I said, you know, South Lewis, they've got, you know, they've probably got 38 man football games under their belt and it's different. You've done them on the radio. I've done them on the radio and, you know, the game is much, much different. There's an adjustment period where, you know, Adirondacks, it's going to take some while to, for the Cats to get up to speed in the eight man game. Yeah, I remember Coach Absalom coming into their second year playing eight man said, what a difference he was just him preparing. And this is this is a phrase you always use for me is you don't know what you don't know. And I think Adirondack, it doesn't matter how much you prepare, how much film you watch, you know, how many YouTube videos you watch, all the studying you do, you're not really going to know what the game is like until you play games. And I think you're totally right. That adjustment is going to be huge for them. And for South Lewis, get your AAA card. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're talking because, about this. Um, week one, you go to Tupper Lake. Week two, you go to Cooperstown. Week three, you go to West Canada. So you're going to get some frequent flyer miles as um, the eight-man football starts a week later. And actually, Mick, there's a vote coming up um, for New York State sports. They're looking to add an eighth game where teams could, instead of scrimmaging week one, add an eighth game. I'm not sure now with schools closing if that's something that they're going to want to allow teams to do. But I know down the line, you know, not the eight-man teams probably, but other teams might want to add an extra game. The bigger schools really want more games. I, I would be shocked if a team like Beaver River wants to play an extra game. That scrimmage is a chance to look at stuff, but to get rid of that scrimmage and have a, an extra game. But um, yeah, South Lewis heads up to Tupper Lake and then Cooperstown, West Canada. Then at the end, they have Trumansburg coming up, and I notice everybody plays some Section 4 teams. Now, Adirondack, like you said, brand new to eight-man football, and Mick, the, the bad news for the one you know bad thing you look at is your first game you're hosting Weedsport who has been the absolute power in eight-man football maybe in the state you know some people think they shouldn't be playing eight-man because they have so many kids but your first experience with eight-man football is going to be Weedsport you know coming to uh, Boonville September 10th so that's going to be a huge test for Coach Hennessy and the boys yeah Weedsport and if you're looking at it right now like Weedsport Grimes West Canada and South Lewis I think right now you can really say those are the teams or the schools that are blue bloods right now in eight-man football I actually had the South Lewis West Canada semifinal game up at Lowville uh, last fall. That was af- actually after the flooding went through down in West Canada. So they ended up playing that like on a Monday night or a Tuesday night. But uh, I think West Canada's got some kids coming back too, really athletic. You know, they got some of those basketball kids that are really, really athletic, you know, coming out and playing, you know, they got a lot of those kids coming back and playing this season. So, you know, they're definitely a, f- a favorite. So yeah, Adirondack scheduled dotted with some really, really established eight-man football teams. It's not like one of those years, Nick, where like five teams are kind of jumping into the fray, haven't played eight man before. That's kind of happened in the last few years. Adirondack's actually kind of jumping into a lot of established eight man programs. I mean, they're they're playing New York Mills, who's actually, they've played eight man like the last three or fl- the last three years as well. So it's not like you really get a break and you're kind of jumping in and playing somebody that's, you know, kind of new to it like you. They're going to play established programs, which is going to make it difficult. And I looked, their one non-leaguer is against Newfield, 
October 15th. Newfield's a team out of Section 4. It's down south of Ithaca, down near Elmira. Newfield was in the eight-man sectional finals last year. So uh, another team, you know, I, I have no idea if they're bringing kids back or not, but a team that has had success. So, you know, they know what they're doing in that eight-man division as um, we get, you know, looking through this uh, football schedule for Adirondack. And the one thing, you know, Adirondack's going to have to change is the eight-man game is really based on speed. And, you know, Adirondack's M.O. for years since we've been covering the team has been a ground-and-pound mentality of, you know, trying to keep the ball out of the other team's hands, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust and that kind of offense. And that really is not the game for uh, eight-man football. You really can't try to hold the ball and keep it away from other people. And it's going to be on the Cats to change their style a little bit. And you think of all the teams that we have locally, the Cats might have lost the most because they lost Brandon Mooney, Al Gaylord, they lost Lance uh, Allen, uh, Justin Kratzenberg, uh, Spencer Hamilton. They lost most of their skill guys. And then with Landon Miller getting hurt, you know, near the end of the year or in basketball last year, you know, his status is up in the air for football season. So your speed and guys who will be seniors last year are all gone. And they're going to rely on, you know, they have some youth coming up that they're very excited about. You're going to be relying on a Ray Hennessy see a Colin White or Brett Sanford sophomores who have never played an eight-man game before and I think that's going to be a huge challenge especially beginning of the year is finding the speed getting your young kids used to a new game and it's going to be a, a big challenge for Coach Hennessy and uh, the coaching staff at Adirondack. Yeah that's one of the first things that jumps out at you when you go and watch an eight-man game is the speed you know and quick strike offenses you know watching South Lewis because that's pretty much the you know the eight the only was the only eight-man team around so if we did games on the radio nick we would have south lewis you know so you know their offenses there's a lot of you know a lot of misdirection and it is not just line it up and just we're going to smash you in the mouth and get four yards that's not how the game is played it is you know you look at south lewis in the in the plays that they run you know it's almost like a sandlot game and that's where it's different from 11 man so you're right about that and unfortunately it's probably one of those years where the cats probably lost some of their speed that they did have on offense you know Alex Gaylord probably would have you know he would have been probably would have you know Gaylord and Mooney those kids would have excelled in in an eight-man game and unfortunately you know graduating away so yeah Mick I saw Adirondack Hound Patton last year and I think Gaylord to Miller I think they had 16 receptions or something crazy like that and you know that combination would have had a field day in eight-man you know on that wide open eight-man field because um, the eight-man field is the same size right now as the 11-man field you, you you are allowed to make the field smaller, but nobody does. So you're going to play the same game with, you know, three less guys on either side of the ball. And there's, there's just so much space. And if you can get to the outside with speed, it is, it's almost always a score. You know, if you go look at the South Lewis scores last year, um, every score is above 40, you know, so 76-42 in their semifinal game. And, you know, scoring is going to be a huge thing. How to get people in space. Yeah, and they had Span, you know, thrown to Ian Anderson. And they've got that connection coming back. And that's that would have been like Gaylord to Mooney uh, or Landon Miller, you know, for, for that matter. So South Lewis has that in place. I mean, losing Vosberg is going to be huge because Vosberg was actually like the Chad Bach for South Lewis in the eight-man game. Uh, but, you know, South Lewis, you know, they really deceptive on offense and, you know, that's the type of, dece- you know, that's the type of play calling that, you know, the Cats will have to kind of get accustomed to. But you got to have the personnel to do that as well. And that's going to be, you know, it's going to be really challenging. It's going to be a challenging first year. I, I think, you know, making the move 
you know, you know, with numbers, numbers wise, it's it's a tough call. Uh, you know, making the moves is going to be very challenging. It's not going to be one of those. Hey, we're going to go down and play eight man. We're going to be really successful. It's going to be a tough haul for the Cats this fall. And you would you would think that you know once you get to the summer, you could bring those kids in and start running plays and get used to the eight man game. And who knows if even be allowed to do that? So you know, we hope for the best, and we hope this summer the kids are out there on the field getting stuff ready. But it's uh, I think it's an exciting time though for Adirondack I think they feel they can go down there and you know compete better and uh, see if they can get this ball rolling again I don't think the plan is to stay eight man for the rest of football's existence and I think this they hope this would be a building block to get back to 11 man and it's uh it'll be exciting to watch and you know that Wheatsport game you know they go Wheatsport Morrisville, Cooperstown. Now, Morrisville and Cooperstown have usually been, you know, weaker, weaker opponents in that eight-man division. So maybe, you know, there'll be some games you can, you know, uh, be ready to win early in the season. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens come this fall. As yeah, and Sherburn and Sherburn slid down and played eight-man last year, and now they're back up to playing eleven-man. They slid back up. So you know, that's you know, hopefully go down to eight-man, generate a little bit more interest, have a little bit more success, and get more kids out, and then you know. Know, jump back up in the, into the 11 man. I mean, some of these eight man, you know, some of these eight man schools right now, though, they've established themselves where I don't know if they'll go back, you know, but I think Adirondack's plan is, you know, hopefully we can just kind of go down, play some eight man, you know, and then get back to playing 11 man again. I think that's the ult- the ultimate goal. I think, I think, yeah, I think South Lewis loves it. Yeah. And I, I know yeah. going up there, there has been, you know, more fans is exciting, you know, talk to their athletic director, Brian Oaks, and he loves it. And I, don't, I didn't see a plan for them to go down. I think they loved where they were they loved the game and I think it's brought excitement back to South Lewis for football and it's uh, exactly what they needed to keep I mean they were at a point Mick where they weren't going to have football anymore so I think I think eight man saved South Lewis football and they don't see a reason why to go back yeah it's really popular you know the fans like it it's really popular up there it's really kind of established itself it's dug itself in and I don't think there's a plan to move back to 11 I think they do want to stay at eight which you know good for them I mean they made that you know made the tough call a couple years ago it was either not having a programmer play eight man and they've you know coaching staff's really done a good job of selling it and you know and, and creating excitement got to give them credit up there and in a selfish mode i'll tell you this it is hard as heck to call one of those games on the radio because we do those games by ourselves, and there is so much action up and down and you're trying to write stats down it's impossible to do yeah you can't <laughs> you're and the games are longer because there's so much scoring and you're you're looking at two and a half hours and it's, it's at one point i did a game and it was like three kickoffs in a row where somebody scored a touchdown i was just out of breath and you need a it's just doing on the radio it's really difficult to do compared to those 11 man games yeah and everything guys are scoring from like 70 yards away and you know you just the thing is in that game you run a little slant and then it's like a 75 yard touchdown especially teams playing on the bigger field you know they're not those team for the most part those teams are all playing on the big field and there's so much space Boy, so much space. I might have played football if we could have played eight man. <laughs> I had no football. I was a. We had golf in the fall in Amsterdam, so I football was never on my mind. We were, I would have gotten annihilated on that football field. But I think that's going to bring us to like the second half. What we wanted to talk about is uh, since everybody there's no sports, uh, people are trying to do some different ways to talk about sports. And one thing we see a lot of is people talking about their sports bucket list. So me and Mick decided we would discuss. You know, I don't know if we can get how many we can get through here. Here, but our bucket list for sports. So I'm Mick. When I thought about this over the week, I thought about things that I want to do and also 
some regrets that I have and things I wanted to do. And there's some some things I thought I wanted to do when I was a kid. And as I get older, I don't know if I want to handle all those crowds and stuff anymore. So I'm, my bucket list is probably getting a little bit smaller. But I'm going to start off first. I'm going to surprise you and, and, and talk about a regret I have. So, you know, when I was coaching Adirondack, the one thing I always wanted to do and I didn't get to do was I wanted to coach a game at my old high school and play against Amsterdam. Uh, we, we played against them in St. Johnsville in the Joel Green tournament once, but I always wanted to get down there and bring a team in. I don't know what what the reason why I had that feeling, but I always wanted to get down there and play a game. And I never got to do that. It just never worked. We started our Christmas tournament here. We never really wanted to give that Christmas tournament up because it was so, it's so hard to start one. And once we got it going, uh, we didn't want to get rid of it. So I never really got the chance. My closest in one of my fondest memories coaching is we got to go down and they had the Cupsick tournament down in St. Johnsville over New Year's one year. So we played before and after New Year's and we won the tournament down there. It was um, the 09-10 season. Uh, Michael Conley was MVP of that tournament. Andre Atkins was on the All-Star team. Marty Candy played Denver Divins. And that was one of my fondest memories, you know, outside of, you know, winning sectional games and sectional titles. But going to coach at St. Johnsville, um, being around a lot of people I grew up with and, you know, having people from home there and so on my bucket list and one that I'm not gonna be able to scratch off is I wanted to coach in my old high school gym I know Mason Swankett came back and they won the Christmas tournament here he coached and I know Jeremy Youngs loves going to this gym and you know he co- he works at South Lewis and coaches here and one thing he talks about why he continues to coach a girls team is he loves coaching back in his old gym so that's probably one of my biggest I don't know if it's a regret it's just something I wish I could have tried uh, I never really worked out I always wanted to do it is go play in my old high school gym as a coach. I didn't get on the floor much as a player, so it was would have been nice to actually be involved in the game as a, as the coach. But it was that's one of my big bucket list probably regrets that I have. Yeah, and being able to coach at your own school, you know, being able to have a team at your own school that's always you know that's always pretty neat. You know, coaching in your in the gym that you played in, I've always found that really neat. Uh, but yeah, and and going down St. Johnsville anytime you went down to St. Johnsville, and that's kind of your neck of the woods. And we have a lot of friends down there, so. I'll always going down there and playing. We went down there and played a lot during Legion ball uh, during the summers. Never played them in school ball. We always tried to play down in the stadium down there. But um, I mean, speaking of Amsterdam, we actually, uh, we went down and played in Amsterdam I think two years. I think Andy played one year. We, we went down two years and played you know Amsterdam down there at Shuttleworth Park, which was actually really neat. So we got the baseball team down there. But Yeah, it was, I was those were fun. The one, the one time I couldn't go, we were away on vacation. It was over April break, I think. But we got to go watch one game and it was that was always and my parents you know they love to go watch a game and I got a lot of family would come and watch and it was yeah it's it's something I won't do but it was that was something I wanted to try but that's a, that's a minor one but still that was, that was kind of the first thing I thought of when I started writing stuff down so what do you got what's your major bucket list you want to scratch off here all right uh so actually I'll give you a regret my regret doesn't have anything doing with high school so I do have a regret so my one regret is actually had friends and this is actually, I graduated from college. I actually wasn't, I graduated from college in December and actually had a lull before started teaching the following fall. And my friends actually had tic- 
tickets to the Kentucky Duke game in the Spectrum regional final, and I turned them down and did not go. And that was the Leitner buzzer beater to beat Duke. I had a ticket. I turned the ticket down. I was sitting watching the game on TV in four sport, and I could have been in the spec. So that is my one regret. Sports, my one regret on the bucket list. I should have gone. And yikes, not good, not good, not good. Oh, that, that, oh, that's a, that is a huge, <laughs> huge regret. regret. There. I, actually, what, when they replayed that game, I had a, when it got near the end of the game, I had to uh, put Cole on the TV and said, we got to watch this. And you don't forget, there's like 15 pros on the floor at the time. It's, college was so different than how loaded of teams of Grant Hill through the past to Leitner, but Kentucky had all sorts of pros on that team. I think Mashburn. It was, yeah, Jamal Mashburn, Mashburn on that team. So that's, oh, that's, I, well, I feel bad now. My, mine's nothing. Mine's going to old stupid high school gym. You had, <laughs> so what I did, Mick, is I, I thought about, you know, sports that I watch and what I want to do. So um, for me, the biggest fan I'm from is the SU basketball team. And I thought about what I want what I want to do to see them. I like going to watch them play on the road. And I would love to go and maybe spend a year in trying to get to all their road games and you know, travel to Miami, travel to Pittsburgh. I have seen them play on the road a lot. We've gone to the Garden, seen them play a lot. I saw them play at West Virginia one year. But I think the biggest bucket list for me, besides going to a Final Four, would be going to Duke and seeing Syracuse play at Duke and that would be uh, a bucket list scratcher for me also seeing them in a final four but to be honest with you I don't want to go to the Superdome and sit um, on the top of the Superdome to watch the game if I'm going to go I would love it you know if it wasn't a smaller place and you could watch the game which you're not doing anymore but like our buddy Bill Metz who gets good seats down by the floor if I'm going to go to a final four I got to get tickets closer I can't I'm too old to climb up a flight of stairs and watch a game from a thousand yards away so my bucket list is to go see Syracuse play at Duke where they always play really well by the way. Yeah, actually, my sister went and watched the... Actually, my sister was at the game where Beheim took the coat off, the infamous charge call that cost the Cuse that game. She was at that game. So uh, so my sister and my brother-in-law, Bruce, they'd been there. I think mine right now with Syracuse would be, I'd really like to go to the ACC tournament. I would like to go for like multiple days. So that would be a retirement sort of thing where I'd like to go down south. I'd rather have it be down south. I don't really want to come up to the Barclays and why. I, I'd like to go down south nice weather, spend three or four days hopefully Syracuse has a three or four day run that would probably be the top of my Syracuse bucket list would be to see Syracuse in the ACC tournament now we actually saw Syracuse in the Big East tournament we saw the semifinals in the finals uh in correct me if I'm wrong I'm gonna say it was 07 06 it would have been 06 05. It was 05. Uh, we went and saw the semis in the finals. But yeah, if I could do anything right now with Syracuse basketball, it would be ACC tournament. I think overall, like I think on my bucket list, I would put the final four on my bucket list, but I would put the semifinals. Like I would just like to go see the pop, the pomp and circumstance of the basketball semifinals. Uh, just so you get the two games on Saturday, the anticipation of a Saturday. Never been. I've seen a lot of NCAA tournament games like you have, Nick, but I've never really seen, you know, never been to a final four. So that would be definitely on my bucket list would be definitely seeing or going NC NCA final four. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to see the finals. I'd really like to go on a Saturday. Yeah, that's, I just, I don't want to, I don't I just, I don't want to go up to the super dome or to, you know, some huge dome and sit so far away. You know, I've been to the carry dome enough times to watch games like that and it's fine, but I don't know if I want to spend all that money and sit. I got to go sit down. I would love it. You no, know, I think the last time they played in the basketball arena when Syracuse was in the final four in 96, I believe when they played in New Jersey. 
Jersey at the Meadowlands when Syracuse lost to Kentucky. I think that's the last time they had like in a true basketball arena. I mean, the Final Four is a Madison Square Garden. You can sit anywhere and it's fine. But sitting in a football dome with 60,000 people, I mean, the fanfare is all great. But I just, I got, I can't sit that far away. I'm getting too old for that to climb those stairs all the time. So it's, uh, sorry. I'm, then I went to SU football and I got thinking about this and I, I'll admit I'm a pretty spoiled uh, sports fan and I, I've had a pretty good life. Uh, my parents, you know, my dad especially took care of me going to sporting events. Cause you think about what would you want to watch SU football wise? And I pretty much Mick, and I think you probably were at most of the games I was at. We've pretty much seen the pinnacle of SU football. And I don't know how much higher on the ladder SU football can get than when we went to the Sugar Bowl in 1988. I went to the Fiesta Bowl in 1993. Um, we watched Syracuse dominate the Big East for years with Donovan McNabb in the Dome. Um, we saw Syracuse play Tennessee. I didn't get to see Syracuse play um, Nebraska or Florida in those games. And so for Syracuse-wise, I'm, um, you know, I would love to go see him play in an Orange Bowl or, or something like that. But I, I, I can't be greedy, Mick. I've, I've kind of done that. So, you know, I know you probably have some football bucket lists. I know you want to go see other stadiums and the one stadium that I went to was Notre Dame and I got to see Notre Dame football before they put the the new deck on so it was a smaller stadium so for my college football Mick I actually have scratched my bucket lift off pretty well and I know there's probably some things for college football that you still want to do yeah I think Syracuse I've been to a lot of bowl games so I've seen I was at Sugar Bowl that year went to the Camping World Bowl two years ago bowl games are really fun to see so seeing Syracuse in a bowl game if I could see him in a semi in a semifinal that obviously be on the bucket list but my bucket list probably for college football I definitely want to see I really want to see a a night game at Notre Dame would be on my bucket list as far as seeing you know a college football game or or Penn State I do want I I do want to get to Penn State and see a game so Penn State and Notre Dame would be on my bucket list right now college football um I don't I'm not really sure about seeing you know pro football I've seen a lot of playoff games I've seen a lot of Dolphins seasons die in Orchard Park and seen a lot of football playoff games I'm not really sure if I'd be like on the Super Bowl train. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know. That wouldn't, I don't know if that'd be really on a bucket list. Like, if the Dolphins were in, it'd be on a bucket list, but just to go to go, I'm not really sure if that would be really high on my list. Our buddy Sam Joslin actually went to Tampa and saw uh, Super Bowl with Pittsburgh and Arizona. Uh, and he he enjoyed that experience, loved that experience, but I'm not really sure, like, pro football, if I would be, you know, into, you know, going to a Super Bowl. Pro football game, I don't know. Going and watching pro football games kind of off of that now went to a lot of games we've gone to a lot of games together nick but kind of off in that now not even you know i'm not saying it just because of the pandemic going on right now i don't want to sit with eighty thousand people but you know the football thing kind of has dried up a little bit for me outside pro football not necessarily college football but pro football well one thing the pro football experience at home is so good now it, it's to go see a pro game it, it, it your sunday is going to be gone and you're going to get home and where we live you're going to get home super late at night so your monday is kind of shot and really if you want to go to Super Bowl, I just think the headache of getting there and finding a hotel and getting to and from the stadium is going to be such a hassle. you got to really be into it. And right now, I know I'm not that into it where I really want to make all those arrangements and you're probably going to take a shuttle. Well, and you'd have to be, you'd be 10 grand into it too. You know, for the, you know, for the common person to be a 10 grand, that's a $10,000 bill too. And that's, you know, you're right. I mean, you'd have to be really into it. Thinking ahead for a bucket list for me, 
the next step would be, um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm an avid golfer, but I enjoy golf and um, the history of golf. To go to a Masters would be on my bucket list. But I think more than that, I want to play. I, I mean, I would, if you can't play at Augusta. It's impossible. Um, I would like to walk the course and just be able to see all the holes. But I want to play golf somewhere. And the two places I want to play are Pebble Beach and St. Andrews, both of which you can actually play. And, you know, you said your retirement, you want to go to ACC tournament. My retirement plan is to go and play at the old course at St. Andrews. It's open all year long. You can play in December. You can go anytime. I've actually known some people who've gone and played. I, this morning, I went and looked. The play around there in the peak time is $213 and the off time is $104. So it's not crazy expensive. And it's you can get on there. It's not really, I wouldn't say it's, it's easy to get on, but it's not impossible to get on. So I'm thinking going to play at St. Andrews. And what I didn't know, it's funny. I was on their website. On sun, Every Sunday, the golf course closes and it's just an open to the public. So you can go walk the course. They said you can bring a Frisbee, a football, just walk around. You can have a picnic on the fairway. So it's kind of neat that, you know, if you're over and you can't play, just go on a Sunday. You can go take a walk around. And, you know, supposedly golf started there 600 years ago. So that would be a place. If I if I can't play Augusta and I look today on how to get on Augusta's course and it's impossible, um, you uh, the best way is to go to St. Andrews and play. So my, my bucket list probably is to go over to St. Andrews and play golf on the old course there. Yeah, and I'd be up for, uh, I don't know about my game. My game's not good enough to go play anywhere, but I'd be up to go to the Masters, though. Like, if you were, that would definitely be on my bucket list is to go to the Masters. And I don't think, you know, I know some people have gone, you know, earlier in the week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Actually, I want to go and watch the tournament, so I would want to go on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, preferably, preferably probably Thursday or a Friday uh, to watch the tournament uh, and just see the lay of the land. To be honest with you, I would, you know, just kind of looking back on things, you know, golf's actually, and we went to the U.S. Amateur many moons ago um, out in Rochester and, you know, probably haven't gone to enough golf tournaments. It's really enjoyable. It's enjoyable to get out on a course. It's, I think the most enjoyable thing, Nick, is is you see something on TV and then you get to actually see it in real life and, you know, how, especially golf courses, TV doesn't do any of those courses, you know, any justice whatsoever. You, It's really, you know, the Masters, everyone you talk to who has gone to watch the, who's been to Augusta, you know, would be the first one to tell you that TV does it no justice whatsoever. They say that it, you can't imagine the elevation change and how hilly it is. Watching it on TV, you can't imagine. It's super, super hilly. And yeah, we, I, I know some people who have gone down to Augusta. I was able to go to a PGA tournament when I was at Oak Hill. Mike Millich had tickets for the whole week and he called me on the Sunday and I saw the final round on the Sunday. It's just, it's so crowded. But I know Augusta is, it's a it's a different place and you know, I would love to, just to walk the grounds, even if the tournament wasn't going on, just to walk and see the holes. And I, I was looking on there today. It's just, it's such a different place. They actually, after the Masters, they closed till the fall time. And uh, the, that course was started for, it was a national, it's called Augusta National because it's they basically wanted it for really super rich people all over the nation to come and play. And most people were from the Northeast and they wanted to come in the wintertime and play. So it's closed um, during the summertime. And really the easiest way to get on and play is to become a volunteer. And if you volunteer at the, at the tournament, you can uh, play the course like there's a certain time that volunteers can play but the waiting list to be a volunteer is like super long so it's not really easy to do it was a fun article i read today on how you actually could get on the course it's almost impossible to do but it's uh if you're a pga professional you can go down there and you can go watch the term for free so a guy like sean andrews who's put his time in as a pga professional he can actually he could go to the gates and walk in he can walk in any tournament and, and go and watch but i'm sure he can't just leave work in the beginning of april and go down and watch a tournament 
tournament as much as he would like to do that. But that for golf, that would be mine. I do. I would like to for, to see. I want to go watch a Ryder Cup, and I like to watch it in Europe if it's not a Masters. As uh, you know, I, that just I love watching your Ryder Cup and and what that brings every couple of years. So that's that's another bucket list. And then thinking, you know, about baseball again. I'm a pretty spoiled sports fan. You know, you would think what would be better than to watch the Yankees Red Sox in Fenway. And I got to do that a bunch of times. Um, my dad took me on a couple weekend trips, actually, where we stayed Friday, Saturday, Sunday for a whole series. And it was just unreal um, to do that. I know I, I talked last week. I like those old timey fields and I've got to go to most of the old timey fields. So for my bucket list for baseball, I want to see a game at Miller Park in Milwaukee. And I don't know. It's just that park. Just the look of it on TV. That and Minute Maid Park. I don't even know if it's called Minute Maid anymore in Houston. But Miller Park in Milwaukee, and one of the reasons I want to go there, I'm a huge bobblehead collector. And in Milwaukee, about five miles away from the baseball stadium, they have the Bobblehead Hall of Fame. So I want to go over there and waste more of my money buying a couple bobbleheads. So for me, baseball-wise, I want to get out to Milwaukee. And I'm going to do that sooner or later is to get out there and watch a game. Yeah, I did not know that about the Bobblehead Hall of Fame. I like, you know, when you, when I go on baseball trip, I like to go, you really kind of need to go for the three days. Yeah, I really like going to watch a series. That's kind of, you know, that's the fun of, you know, a Friday night game, a Saturday night game, Sunday afternoon game, you know, and it's a little bit tougher when you have family and, you know, because you're devoting a lot of time, but that would be you know, that's really what I would like to do. Uh, in the scheme of things, I really want to see a Reds playoff in Cincinnati. I don't want to travel to an away stadium. So if I had right now my druthers, I would say um, Reds playoff game is what I would like to see. I've been to Cincinnati a whole bunch of times, seen the Reds play in Riverfront and Great American Ballpark, but I have not seen a playoff game. They have gone to the playoffs too often, but that would be my, on my bucket list would be to see a Reds playoff game in Cincinnati. Uh, actually played the All-Star game there like three or four years ago and didn't should have gone to that didn't didn't do that uh but I wouldn't mind going to an all-star game either just and seeing the whole thing seeing like the um home run derby the all-star game in itself you know not just going for the all-star game going for the three days you know that would be pretty cool I wouldn't like NBA or anything like that I have no desire to do the all-star thing to be honest with you but baseball I would uh I wouldn't watch it I don't really like watching it on TV but if I cut if I got to do it live I would you know I, I would like to do that I think live right now probably for me you know watching a baseball game live is probably the most fun. Uh, I would put the NBA watching the Celtics maybe second, but I don't know. There's still something about just going to a ballpark. It's relaxing. It's, you know, the, the, the speed of play when you're watching it, it's slow, which, you know, when you're in person, it's actually pretty cool. When you're watching on TV and it's 11 o'clock at night, not so cool, but you know, there's still a huge allure for me to go to the ballpark uh, and preferably to watch a series. And actually a little is a little bittersweet weekend for us because actually, Actually, today I had tickets for the Cleveland Cavaliers Milwaukee Bucks game tonight, and we were going to go watch that game tonight because my son's a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. So we were going to watch that, and then tomorrow, Easter Sunday, I was going to go watch uh, the Cleveland Indians were hosting the Detroit Tigers tomorrow. So I was going to spend uh, Easter Sunday, you know, in Cleveland. That's a beautiful place to watch a game, and uh, so it's kind of a bittersweet weekend as we were going to be ready to go out there. But one thing on a side note, I do recommend to people if you're in any city that has a sports team, even if it's not in the season. 
I would recommend taking a tour of the stadium. They usually run like 10, 15. I don't think I've ever paid 20 bucks for a tour, but I really enjoy taking tours of stadiums and just seeing what it's like. I've been to Madison Square Garden a whole bunch of times for games, but my son and I took a tour of the garden. You just get to see, you go sit up in the luxury suites, you go down to locker rooms, you get to go where the media goes. So I really recommend for people to try, you know, taking tours of places. It's a lot of fun. I know you do that a lot. And I know you like going to college campuses and hopping into football fields and you always send me pictures of places you go to. So I know that's something you like to do too. Yeah, I like taking the tours. Actually, we went to Fenway back in February. So we took a tour in Fenway in February. Field was covered up. But like you said, Nick, you get get to go into locker rooms and we were up, sat up on the Green Monster. But yeah, if you're ever in a city, look it up, take a tour. Usually, I mean, they run all year long. And then, yeah, when we travel a little bit more in the summer, we, you know, like we've, we have stopped to, you know, I've been to Penn State, been to Notre Dame, walked around the football stadium. The coolest thing about that in the summer, Nick, is there's nobody around. So, I mean, we were walking around Notre Dame. We got to Notre Dame, went to Chicago, went to Wrigley, drove, and we were driving back and stopped at Notre Dame. We actually got to, Nor- we got to South Bend like at 8 o'clock in the morning and parked the car middle of the summer, and there was no one on campus, nobody on campus. So we're walking around the football stadium, and, you know, there's like four people literally, and they were the people who were working there, which... Um, you know, if you ever get a chance to do that, I'm a real, I'm really into all the things I see in TV. I want to see them live. So I'm such a huge sports fan that, you know, for other people, they have other hobbies. I love to see, you know, things that I see on TV, especially when I was younger. I love to see things on the real life place, you know, especially, you know, I grew up watching so many Penn State Pitt football games. I, I wanted to see Beaver Stadium because I had this image of it when, I'm, when I was eight years old and, you know, going and seeing it, you know, for the first time, that's really cool. So I really get into that. It's really something that I, I don't know why. It's just, I just find that stuff really cool. And I think we can't have this conversation without talking about, I think both of us would put very near the top of a bucket list. We go back in time was to go to the 1980 Olympic game where the United States beat the Russians and our good friend, Bill Metz, who he hates us telling us this story was at that game. And it took us like five, six years into knowing Bill before he even told us that he was at that game. Something we both said we would brag about constantly. A funny story my parents were in Lake Placid that day. They were went to the hockey game earlier in the day and were in the streets watching on TV um, for that game. They left me home and I watched it on tape delay in a black and white TV in my grandmother's house. But that's uh, another story from my therapist or something. But it's, uh, you know, our buddy was in the, in the stadium. I know you go up there a lot and you actually, I think you played a, a girls basketball tournament up there. Did you play in that Olympic stadium when you went up? No, we were actually, we were actually supposed to and then they had to move it. They couldn't, uh, they had something else going on. So we actually played at Lake Placid High School. That was the plan. They actually had played that tournament. That's why I actually wanted to go up there. Like the years previous, uh, they were playing in the Olympic Center in the field house. And then they actually switched it like probably three weeks before we were actually supposed to play in there. So that was actually the goal is I wanted to go up there and play. We were going to go play in the tournament up there and ended up playing at Lake Placid High School but yeah whenever I'm up there I drag the family in there we gotta go we gotta go in there just even if we go the the thing about the thing that's cool about going up there is when you go into the arena like you can literally walk into the field house like literally it's not like they close it off like you you can walk in there's always something going on in there there's either youth hockey or there's figure skating going on lessons and competitions but 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever made a trip up there and not gone into the field house. Uh, always got to go in there. So even if I'm driving through, I got to go in the field house. Get chills walking in that place. Yeah, I know. And that's that's why we were mad at Bill when he never told us that story about him being up there. So I, don't know, I was going through Mick, and the only other thing I could probably check off is this is not sports related, and it's going to show you how nerdy I am. I like to go see Jeopardy once and go watch a round of Jeopardy. As uh, we kind of, it's kind of a staple in our house that we watch it every night and it's uh so i'm sure it's you probably got to get a waiting list to get tickets out there i've taken the test a couple times but there's no way i could actually play in a game it would be embarrassing but uh yeah go watch around or jeopardy so what else you got on your list before we get out of this podcast today well, i probably got probably one more that's kind of a little obscure but and i've been close the last couple years and i haven't done i just haven't pulled the trigger is i want to go to flushing and watch us open in tennis which is usually the week before school starts so that's one thing i want to do i've been really really close the last couple years and haven't gone but i, I want to go sometime and just walk the grounds and go for a day and watch a whole day's worth of matches i would have rather done it 15 years ago when agassi and sampras and all those guys were playing. I wish I would have done it then, but it's one place I've always wanted to go and I've never been. So going to Flushing, watching the US Open. I know um, Pat Thomas and Sue Russell and some of those people that we taught with and Pat was actually principal at the middle school for a number of years. They, I think they still go religiously. They go every year, Nick. They go for like, I think they go for a couple days actually. Like they've been, they've gone forever. Like Pat would come in and we'd be talking about, you know, US Open and she would talk about who they would go, who they went to see play and so on and so forth. So that's kind of like, you know, tennis kind of, you know, you might say a little nerdy as well, but uh, yeah, I want to go to the US Open. I really, like I said, I've gotten really close to just jump, jumping in the car four hours you're there. Uh, so maybe this year, maybe hopefully if they have it, maybe this and year. I would recommend people who live around here, if you haven't been to Saratoga Raceway to see the horse races, you got you to gotta go up there and spend a day at the races. And I, I grew up, you know, just half hour from there. I worked there, so I've spent a lot of time at the racetrack and maybe um, one bucket list would be go to the Kentucky Derby but uh, uh, it's just so many people, 100,000 people and I'm getting to the point in my life where I can't really handle the crowds much anymore so I kind of does it for my bucket list. Yeah, I'm good too I'm good so I guess that's going to be a wrap on uh, this episode. Alright, well everybody stay healthy and safe and we'll be back next week. Alright, sounds good. Alright, sounds good.